This morning's scripture reading is from John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would prepare our hearts, that your word would be planted deep within. Lord, we thank you that you are not just a God who came to die, but you are a God who rose again. May the truth of that penetrate deeply into our hearts, that our hearts would be set on fire with the knowledge of your greatness and your power. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you, when you hear that story, think, what a remarkable story. Um, he was once dead, and now he is alive. It is a story that for many of us, we hear over and over and over again, and we've, we've contemplated and thought about it, and too often, the remarkable nature of the story gets lost. Jesus Christ was dead, and three days later, he was alive. It is a remarkable story that shouldn't be just kind of brushed over. It is a remarkable story. It's such a remarkable story that even Christ's followers who knew him, who, who walked with him, who saw him do the miraculous, including raising someone else from the dead, we're still shocked 
when they arrived at the tomb and he wasn't there. Couldn't believe it. Like, could not believe the fact that he had risen from the dead. It was such a remarkable story that Jesus Christ had told them exactly what was going to happen, and they still didn't believe. How many of you guys realize that he spells it out for them? Like, explains it to them. This is recorded in, in Luke cha- chapter 18. See, we are going up to Jerusalem. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. Before the whole week begins, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked, and shamefully treated, and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day, he will rise. He just spelled out for them the entire week, right? They're going to mock me. They're going to spit on me. They're going to flog me. They're going to kill me. And on the third day, I'm going to rise. This is such a remarkable event that after being told exactly what was going to happen, they weren't there waiting at the tomb for it to take place, right? Like somebody comes up to you and says, I'm going to be, I'm going to rise from the dead three days after I'm dead. How many of you are hanging out at the funeral parlor? Right? Most of us aren't. And the reason we're not is because we really don't believe it. But if you really believed it, if you thought it was at all plausible, you'd want to be there to see it, wouldn't you? They weren't. What Jesus does in this story is remarkable. The disciples, after being told by Jesus what would happen, they were still shocked by it because the resurrection is that remarkable. The resurrection is unprecedented. The resurrection is the most remarkable, most profound moment in human history. From the beginning, Resurrection Sunday changed everything. Church historians believe that the reason church made uh, the church eventually made Sunday the day of celebration, moving it from the Sabbath on Saturday, is so that every single Sunday we would remember this event. Do you know that the reason why we are at church on a Sunday morning today is so that we would remember the remarkable event of Jesus Christ rising from the grave? This is how incredible this event is. Christ is risen. It's interesting how that only works on Easter, doesn't it? If this was easy, if this was Easter, I'd have said Christ is risen, and and 80% of you would say, He is risen indeed. Yeah, well, now it doesn't count. You can't just say it now that I just pointed out that you didn't say it the first time. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most remarkable event in all of human history. The annual celebration began over 2,000 years ago, and it is every single Easter we mark this because it is remarkable. And as familiar and as obvious a statement is that this is remarkable, 
in our church world, we hear it over and over and over again, but we, we cannot allow its familiarity to obscure its importance. The truth of his risen state, the truth of him coming forth from the grave contains the power of this remarkable story. The power of, of the Easter story starts with the truth of his resurrection. I say it like that because for many of us, it becomes this story in the past. It becomes this bygone thing that we remember. It almost becomes a myth, a, a myth that we attach ourselves to. And it is only in realizing the very depth, the very truth, the very reality of his resurrection that you'll ever discover the power of the story. The truth is, Jesus Christ rose again. And again, I understand the simplistic sounding nature of that statement. But you have to understand the reason why I'm emphasizing it is because the truth of the resurrection tells us a lot about the nature of Jesus Christ and our Heavenly Father. I've been saying um, throughout this entire series that the value of studying the book of John is in that it reveals Jesus, that it tells us about Jesus, it tells us about who he is, about what he did, that the value of the book of, Jesus, of John is about introducing us to Jesus, the mission he was sent here from his father to do the interaction that he had with his father, his teachings, his, his work, his nature, and how those aspects revealed by John about Jesus interacting with our lives is the most important thing in our lives we could ever study. And the reality of his resurrection teaches us a great deal about his nature and its impact on us. If the resurrection is true, if it happened, if the resurrection took place, then Jesus Christ must be responded to. He must be accounted for. You cannot ignore the implications if the resurrection is true. The resurrection of Jesus is important first because the resurrection then witnesses to the immense power of the Godhead. It testifies to the incredible power of God, of Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. To believe in the resurrection is to believe that it, to believe in God. That, that, that if God exists and, and he created the universe and has the power over it, then he has the power to raise the dead. Think about how they correlate one with another, right? If Jesus Christ was risen from the dead, some power raised him from the dead. And that power is God. And you've got to sit and you've got to ask yourself the question, how can one rise from the dead? Not even be called out, but someone just rising from the dead. How does that person rise from the dead? Well, if God created all, and God is sovereign over all of life and over all of death and over all of creation, then it can happen, can't it? It teaches us about the nature of God and his power. 
And if he is God, and if he has that power, and if he has that sovereignty, then he is worthy of our faith, and he is worthy of our worship. How many of you believe that if God is sovereign over all things, he's who we should go to in prayer? He's who should be lifted up in worship. God is sovereign over life and death. Only he who created life can resurrect it after death. Only he can reverse the hideousness that is death itself. And only he can remove the sting and gain the victory over the grave, as it says in 1 Corinthians 15. In resurrecting Jesus from the grave, God reminds us of his absolute sovereignty, even over death. But this did not simply prove the authority and power of God. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ validates who Jesus claimed to be. That, that in Jesus Christ rising from the dead, that it is a true event, that it did happen. What we learn from that is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. Psalm 16.10 said, God's Holy One, which is a term indicating the Messiah, that is referred to the Messiah, the one who was promised to be the Savior of Israel, would never see the corruption of his body. And Jesus' body never saw corruption, never saw decay, but rose to life. What this does is it, 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 it validates the Old Testament prophecies that foretold of the Messiah's suffering, of his death, and his resurrection. In fact, if you go to Peter's sermon on Pentecost Sunday in Acts chapter 2, he makes a direct appeal to this, this, this message in Psalms. And he says when, Paul was, when, when, when David was writing the Psalms about the one who would not, the holy one who would not be corrupted, Peter says he was referring to Jesus, and he's saying, that's who just rose from the dead a few weeks ago that many of you saw. So what we have here is the declaration in his resurrection that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament prophecies. Christ's resurrection also authenticated his own claims that he would be raised on the third day to fulfill the prophecies of old. Look at what Jesus says later in the 18th chapter of Luke. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to, their, to understand the scriptures, and he said, to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Here again, we see Jesus reiterating, and what does he tie it to? He says, the Christ, the Messiah, the one who has been foretold for all times must rise on the third day. He tells them that he is the fulfillment of all of prophecy, that he is Messiah, that he is hope, that he is life that he is the one who will bring redemption to the people of God. The resurrection of Jesus Christ 
which was attested to by hundreds of witnesses, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, provides irrefutable proof that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and the Savior of the world. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the supreme validation of his deity. It means he's God. When we see him come forth from the grave, as the Son of God, as the Messiah, as the Savior of the world, it means he is God. Salvation doesn't come through a man who dies for us. It comes from a God who dies for us. A guy dying does nothing to save us. People have died for others since the dawn of time. But the Son of God, who is God, dying on our behalf and rising again, winning victory over sin and its penalty, death, is what is important. The attempts to undermine his divinity are fundamental because if not God, we have serious issues. The resurrection of Jesus as the Son of God, as the Messiah, as the Savior, as a member of the Godhead, means his resurrection is important, has, has benefit, has meaning for us. He is God. He's not just a simply good teacher. He is to be worshipped as God. This is one of the things I've thought about quite often. If Jesus Christ is just a good guy, a good prophet, a good teacher, like so many people say, every single song we sing about him becomes really creepy. You don't just worship a guy who's a good teacher. One of my favorite teachers in all of, in all of my life is a guy by the name of Dr. Charles Greenaway. He was a missionary to Africa, amazing guy, great guy, loved him to death. But I'm telling you, if I start singing worship songs to him, somebody needs to lock me up. Jesus Christ is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our praise because he is God who overcame death, hell, sin, and the grave on our behalf. But even more important, if he is not divine, our faith is meaningless. If he has not risen as the sovereign over death, our faith is meaningless. There is no value in it. This is where we begin to see the interaction between who Jesus Christ is, his nature, and how it intersects with our lives. As I've been saying all along, the, the, the value of John is not only in the fact that it introduces us to Jesus, but it tells us how the nature of Jesus Christ impacts my life and my every single day life. And it's here where we begin to see that his divinity as God, as the one who is resurrected, has value and meaning to us. Because if it isn't true, if he isn't divine, if he didn't rise again, our faith is meaningless. The resurrection of Jesus Christ as God brings us to a place of profound salvation and transformation. If he has not risen, 
as the sovereign over death, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, if Christ has not been risen, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Do you see how that introduces, how that brings us to the point of how it intersects with our lives? The resurrection of Christ is the power of the Easter story because it means as God, he secured our victory. And as such, our faith has meaning. If Christ has not been risen from the dead, our faith is futile and we're still in our sins. Because that's the real power of this resurrection for you and I. The very personal reason why the power of the Easter story is the resurrection, because the resurrection of Christ provides our resurrection. See, if the only reason that Christ was risen is to demonstrate his status as God, as divine, if that was all it stood for, then it's simply an interesting, captivating, amazing story but not really that relevant, not really that important to me or you. It would be like observing the sun and its majesty from such a distance that that it provided neither light nor warmth. Its nature would still be evident and true, but its value to you and me would be nothing. Christ didn't just rise from the dead to demonstrate his divinity. He didn't just rise from the dead to demonstrate his authority. He didn't just rise from the dead to show that he is sovereign. He rose from the dead to provide for us a resurrection. He rose so that he might so that we might join him in his resurrection. The truth is in his resurrection we have a resurrection in his act We are set free from the death that comes as a result of our sin. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. This is Paul's declaration that without the resurrection, we are still enslaved to our sin with with death waiting for us. Because of our sin. Paul connects it even more directly in Romans chapter 6 when he says, We were buried therefore with him by baptism in death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For we have been united with him in a death like his, and we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin may be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe also that we will live with him. The declaration here is really clear that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his overcoming death means that we have a resurrection through Jesus Christ where we overcome both sin and death. Do you see how the declaration each time is tied to the the problem of our sin? See, sin is an issue. 
Sin is a problem. Sin is the root of all death and the life of every human. The wages of sin is death. Each one of us, because of our sin, has been separated from Jesus Christ. We in our body are drawn to sin. And because of our sin, we've been separated from Jesus. We've been separated from our Heavenly Father. And sin reigns in us. Sin controls us and drives us deeper into death. A death in this life and a death in the afterlife. This is what waits for us because of our sin. But Jesus Christ came to this earth as God and lived a perfect life. So that he might take upon himself the penalty of our sin. And that everyone who believes in him is able to take his righteousness upon themselves. This is Jesus' teaching. And be set free from the penalty of our sin. And live victorious over sin. And rise again to new life here in this earth. And a life eternal with Jesus Christ when we die. This is the gift of his resurrection. The truth of his resurrection brings us to this point that it intersects with our own lives. His resurrection gives you life. His resurrection gives you freedom. He has risen so that we might be alive. The work of Christ has provided a resurrection over the death penalty of sin. But before I, I, we leave today, I, it's important to me that I remind you, encourage you, call you to understand that Christ not only provides a resurrection from the penalty of death, from the penalty of sin, but he provides us a resurrection from the grip of sin. I have watched as a follower of Christ and as a pastor the power of God through the Holy Spirit to pull people from the tomb of death caused by sin to new life. I've testified numerous times from this pulpit to the story of my own family, of my my family that was falling apart because of my dad's addiction, because of his alcoholism. How we were shattering as a child watching my parents fight and broken furniture and the screaming and the yelling because of my dad's addiction. Where his heart was turned towards Jesus Christ, his life was changed forever. Within seven days of giving his heart to Jesus Christ, he gave up alcohol and didn't drink again the rest of his life, and our family was healed. This is the power of the resurrection to set us free from sin. I've seen people set free from the grip of suicidal depression, from addiction, from anger and hate and hopelessness again and again. Because as we turn to Christ, truly giving our life, he has the power to set you free. In fact, the power that raised Jesus from the dead will work in you to set you free. And give you new life. This is what Paul says in Romans 8. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead 
dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. You got got to hear exactly what he's saying here. You got to hear exactly the words. He's saying the power that raised Jesus from the dead, the spirit that dwells in you is the power that raised Jesus from the dead. And it says he will give new life to what? Your mortal bodies. That in this life, the power of the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that lives in you, is there so that your new life will be discovered in Him. Ephesians, Paul reiterates and says, And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe? according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead. The Spirit of God is working in you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is working in you so that you might have a resurrection over the sin that has been gripping you. Whether that is an addiction, or whether that is bitterness, or whether that is anger. Whatever it is that is holding on to you, Jesus Christ, His resurrection, represents to you the truth that He is sovereign and He is Lord and the power that raised Him is working in you. Whenever I contemplate the resurrection of Christ and think about the Easter season represented in this story, I'm brought back to a testimony I heard in my men's group years ago around Easter time. As we were wrapping up, a guy who's been a part of our church for a while and a mainstay in our community group shared how Palm Sunday was the 15-year anniversary of his sobriety. How his addiction issue started when he was between 11 and 12 years of age. How it graduated over time into things like heroin. And at the conclusion of his story, he said this, only by the power of God, only by his grace, only by his hand, only by him am I free today. His testimony was the power that raised Jesus from the dead was at work in him to provide freedom. The resurrection is remarkable. Not only because it testified to the divine nature of Christ, but because he who was divine died and rose again so that we might find resurrection in his power through his spirit. He has secured for us in his resurrection a victory that only he could. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you are here this morning, don't allow the truth of this story to pass without embracing fully It's power. Jesus Christ rose again that you might have life. The thing that 
ties us, the thing that holds us in death is sin. But we have the ability to be set free from that because of what Jesus Christ did. If you're here this morning and you've lived most of your life completely oblivious to the idea that there is a God who is sovereign, who is calling you into a relationship with him, into a life through him and in him. That you've led your whole life just being led by your own desires, your own wants. You've essentially lived a life where you are the God of your life. And as a result, you found yourself gripped by sin. The consequences of your sin, the result of your sin, and the destiny of your sin. Jesus Christ provides you today a freedom from it. He said early in, in, the, in the book of John that we've read, he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. You will find life instead of death by believing in Jesus Christ. As we've talked throughout this series, that belief is to rest upon, to put your faith in, to follow the teaching and the life and the work of Jesus Christ, to allow him to be Lord. And through that, you will be set free. This is your opportunity this morning because of the work of Jesus, come to faith in him and find life. Maybe you're here today and you are a Christian, you've given your life to the Lord, but you continue to be held in the grip of sin. You can't break through, you can't break free. I want you to know today that the power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave dwells in you, lives in you. And he gives you the authority to overcome. He gives you the authority to find life and freedom from it. It is calling you to him more deeply every step of the way. He provides to you the church, the church which is his gift to each one of us as believers for accountability, for life, for prayer, for support. He gives you his word to pour into your life. He gives you the ability to interact with him. Each of these steps, he empowers us through the Holy Spirit to find freedom from our sin. You don't have to stay in your sin. The power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you to give you a new life. This is the true impact of this remarkable story of Jesus' resurrection. You yourself may be raised to life today.